And now, your host, Mr. Redbeard. And Mick. Kermit the Frog here. I'm here to cover We're Alive. <laughs> Welcome to episode 66 of the We're Alive fancast, where we cover every new release of the We're Alive audio drama and lockdown. I'm Mick. And I'm Redbeard. And today, we are going to talk about We're Alive Lockdown Part 2. We are going to spoil the crap out of it. <laughs> yes. If you haven't listened to that, go listen to it real quick. So you don't want to take you at 53 minutes, then come on back. All right, you're back. <laughs> <laughs> we missed you. Been sitting here the whole time. Waiting on you. <laughs> <laughs> well, I got a few little intro bits before we get started. Yeah. Um, let's see. Number one thing I wanted to talk about was I totally missed the cool theory you had that you said right to me in the audience last week. But I don't know. I was thinking about my theory and thought it was the same thing. But when I was going back and listening through, I heard that it wasn't the same thing. <laughs> but so just to make it clear for myself, because I'm sure everybody else heard it, but you have a Simon might be Chuck, one of the same person theory. Did I get that right? I I think Chuck exists, but I think a lot of the story that is being relayed for Chuck is actually Simon because Simon knows way too many details. Oh, okay. So Simon's been in prison for in, in jail waiting for to get I, out I don't like know. seven years, maybe? Not speculating on the, the time periods or anything like that, but I think that crazy ability to retain information and know things off the top of your head is Simon and not Chuck. See, I was thinking about it. And as I was listening, a lot of times when Simon talks, or maybe I just noticed this after you said that a lot of times after uh, Chuck talks, I'm sorry, Simon will say something afterwards. And so I'm like, is, is it the same person or is, you know, I think Redbeard might be onto something. And plus his jumpsuit is tan, and none of the other jumpsuits are tan. So I didn't know if that had if that played into it at all, but it's it's interesting. I'm doing yeah. that, that theory's fun. Uh, I was kind of curious about that. And then, uh, did you have it in here where Casey was saying that Chuck is on the the cover art, and he's the guy on the right? Right. So on nickred.com, the We Are Live section you have this awesome photo where you labeled everybody that's in the album art. And uh, on the right side, yeah, Casey confirmed that Chuck was on the right side. And it's a little confusing. Because in, in the story, Chuck is described as being a crusty old black guy. <laughs> Quote. And the guy on the right is a balding white guy in a yellow-blue jumpsuit. Ah, right, the uh, jumpsuit yeah. matches up. That's it, but I don't know. Maybe the artist got it wrong. Maybe, maybe. Uh, I mean, if I'm not touching that, I don't, I don't know <laughs> exactly. I'm not <laughs> sure that, what I could. And, you know, I could say something that would make people not be in their safe space, even if I didn't mean to. So, <laughs> like, I, I was gonna say I could Photoshop it, but I was like, whoa, 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 no brain. <laughs> uh, that's why we love you 
All right. Uh, so we do, we have some kind of corrections. Casey live tweeted as he listened, like he normally does, and we thank you for that, Casey. But he shared some stuff with us while he was listening. And uh, so last week we kind of uh, we talked about, or I said that I thought Jeremy was one of his brother's names, and he didn't come out and say that. Jeremy wasn't, but he said that uh, there was no arm twisting for to make him use names. But um, <laughs> Danny is his brother, which is funny because Danny's a girl in this. Danny, but Danny's the name of his brother, and Marcus is dead. Mark Dykstra. Well, you, but they're you... not. They're not. You know that only. It's only the names. There's no personality traits or anything. Basically, I think is what he was trying to say. Right. And, but uh, I had mentioned Roger, as in Roger Dodger, and right. he said that was a coincidence. Yes. Oh, and he did, he did continue on and say the characters aren't inspired by any family members, so. Also, uh, last week we were kind of confused about maybe DCB being an actual gang. I was confused. Redbeard had looked it up and saw that it was from... Where did you see it? I, 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 I didn't really look into it What I when I was doing some Googling... American History X came up, but it wasn't. I, I don't know if it was even used in there. I didn't really chase it down. I was like, ah, it's not really important. I already had enough notes. Right. But he said he made up DCB and Mexicazi in his own for this you know, universe. Didn't want to uh, irritate or take off any real gangs, but they're all real versions of them, you know? So, yeah, yeah. I can totally that, understand that. That's probably a wise decision. Very understandable. <laughs> and also I mentioned something about I wonder if they use the same credits for each segment because I couldn't tell if our friend Adam Young who's mentioned in the credits was in this last one because I don't think he was there, it's the same credits in all of them yep same credits for each time he said there's or, things are a pain to time and <laughs> uh, one last thing I uh, double checked Twin Towers is definitely listed as the world's largest jail on their website so it could be wrong but at least on their official website, that's what they claim. That's crazy. Yes. It's a pretty huge jail. No, thank you. Is that, I was looking at it the other day, and I was like, is that the one that... Oh, what's the, the hacker's name? Kevin Mitnick was in? Mitnick? Kevin, the window. Kevin Mitnick? Yeah, the windows on it look like uh, the one he was in. From the documentary. He went to prison, though, didn't he? Uh, Yeah, he was in prison. You're right. It, yeah, I'm, my bad. No problem. We also, they, all look, they all look scary to me. Yes, they do. I don't want to be in any of them. <laughs> uh, we got an iTunes review this week. Woo! Five stars, is, and it's an update to an older iTunes review. Update, still great. By uh, Wayland Prod. You may have heard that name before <laughs> thank you said uh, what can i say these guys do a great job smiley face of course i'm slightly biased since i work on we're alive and now lockdown glad you're back thank you casey appreciate you going out there and uh updating that review for us that's cool oh and i'll go ahead and mention it we are fully published to the google play store so you can find us out there now as well i have no idea how that works i have not used it to listen to any podcast yet but, uh, yeah, so if you guys have any feedback on that, feel free to send us stuff because I'm completely ignorant to it. Right, yeah. Let us know how 
if you like that, <laughs> if it works, it works for you. But with that, that's all my lockdown, uh, all my introduction bits I had. Cool. So we're going to go right into that beautiful scene-by-scene scene coverage? Yes, roll that beautiful scene-by-scene scene coverage. So this time we jumped right into the theme music, which was very awesome to hear. Extremely. And we're going right back into lockdown where they left off. Uh, Chuck says that in the seven years he's been there, there's never been a lockdown. So this is pretty serious. Um, there's, I'm trying to, you know, I should have gone through here and kind of highlighted which ones I thought were most important. There's a lot of sitting around and waiting. So the scene by scene coverage is a little different to do on lockdown, but yes. Fredo's staring at Jody and it's kind of freaking her out. And I went back and we'll see who, who helped us with the, uh, the translations. That Nick, was Nick. Nick Shades on the forums. Yes. Yeah, he helped out quite a bit, but we also got another little insight as well. Uh, so in this scene, Fredo's saying, can, uh, or uh, Jody's saying, can you stop staring at me? And Jer Jeremy gets on to him a few times, and finally uh, Fredo says whatever derogatory term. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and Jeremy, hey, uh, he's a trustee, so I mean he's been a, he's been good while he's in jail, but the dude's kind of a bad dude. Like, uh, yeah, he's, he's not scared to speak to Fredo. He's uh, kind he of a man of action, as we as we'll see. Oh yeah, he doesn't back down from anything. I'm so, digging him. Oh yeah, so we we start to get a sense that there's a riot in block three, block eight. And just stuff is going haywire. Uh, we hear what Jody speculates is riot poppers. That we hear gunshots. We hear explosions. It's inside and outside the jail. We hear Mark on the radio calling to Central, and Central's not responding. And again, Fredo's back to staring down Jody, and he starts laughing his maniacal laugh. He's a he's a great henchman. He is. Scary. <laughs> There's some funny interactions because poor Jody still hasn't been able to go to the bathroom yet. <laughs> we find out it's number two and things aren't looking pretty. And the lights go out. Now, how freaky is that? Be pretty bad uh, sitting in jail, especially, I mean. You're in a locked room where there's. With the guy with the, in a red jumps, jumpsuit who <laughs> could just tear you limb from limb. Well, not only that, in a room full of guys, no less. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. For her, for sure. And she has no idea what they're in there for. Not really. No. We uh, we hear that a backup generator comes on, and it comes on pretty quick, you know, in the grand scheme of things. Uh, then the, the doors open by Danielle, and again, she's being helpful. She's being kind. We find out there's no food for the guards or the inmates. The lunches were on the bus, mm. and Jody goes off running down the hall before that scene ends. Yeah, and thanks, you did a great job hitting all the, the high beats on that one. So yeah, with the riot that's going on in the background, I can, I mean, I can imagine what's going on, and it even if it was just a regular jail riot, it would be awful to the scale that you can hear it across the jail, a jail this big. 
but since we know there's probably zombies involved, yeah, and there's nowhere to run, nowhere to hide. Mm-hmm. Oh, and the attention to detail again. It's like yeah, with my headphones on and being able to hear it, and it's full quality. You can hear people shouting, and you can hear the riot type activity happening uh, in the distance. You could hear what well, sounds like fighting, just all out fighting. Yes, and I'll go. I'll I'll say, and I probably I'm going to say this again in this podcast, but and we've said it before. If you're listening to this in the car, like I do, listen. I listen to this in the car also. You're not getting everything. No. I mean, when you put the headphones on, like, and you can concentrate on what's going on, you can hear Mark out in the hallway. You can hear almost everything he's saying. Are muffled, but it's still articulate articulate enough that you can understand what he's saying. You can hear, you catch so much more if you listen to, with a decent pair of headphones or earbuds or something. Yeah, yeah, just well executed. So everyone's stuck in T-block, this transportation block. And I, I think this is going to be good for the story, for now at least, because if if they weren't, it would be hard to pull the rest of at least this chapter off, you know? Yeah. I mean... Having it lay out where you know they're luck- the lockdown electronically seals everybody in you know in there and the guards or anybody can't leave if even if they wanted to it it's adding some good suspense and I think it's going to be good for the story yeah and you know and speaking of no one being able to leave not even the guards something to keep in mind as we're talking about this later on is Mark has got a wife so and we, I don't know what other kind of family he has and so I, I kind of have to give him some leeway with the pressure he's under. And on top of that, worrying about loved ones. Sure thing. Yeah, I've got some notes about that as we go along for sure. Okay. So, yeah, okay, the next scene comes in. Jody's coming back from the restroom. Simon says that it looked like there was something wrong. Jody's helping bring in the water and uh, is thankful for having been given the break in the first place. She said it's really quiet throughout the jail, and it sounds like it's probably kind of creepy because if you're used to it being loud and all of a sudden – it's it's deafening silence, I guess. So, you know, there's the talk about the riots and Simon's talking about, well, maybe we can get out. And this is another insight to Chuck because Chuck explains she don't want that because that that's going to be worse with those people running around and being in charge. Yeah, they're... I mean, if without zombies, you would not want to be getting mixed up in that. No. It's like Negan-level stuff. Yes. <laughs> Uh, and then we find out that Bogart's never been in a fight before, and I thought that was interesting. That was really interesting. You picture people, you know, everybody in jail is hard, hardened and tough and all that, but... Well, and it, well it's just hard for me to imagine someone that's never been in a fight before. I mean, I, I've known people, but it, every time it's kind of like, really? You know, that's something that's everybody's, you know, it's somebody, everybody's done at least once. Yeah. But, I don't know, I guess I was an angry younger person. <laughs> <laughs> About this time, there's some loud noises coming down the hall, and uh, it's coming from the padded cell, and Fredo is saying something pretty scary sounding, which translated to, they're coming for you. <laughs> like, that, that's pretty creepy. Which sounds like an homage to uh, Night of the Living Dead. Yeah. <laughs> they're coming uh, for you, Barbara. I, did, I didn't even put that which two was, and two together. Like a, which was a zombie talking and, you know, kind of the one and only accepted times a zombie talks. that's a very good point I wonder if that's on purpose is that an homage yes please let us know Danielle is asking what's wrong with the drunk and he keeps slamming himself into the door I guess he it sounds like he's almost just charging into it yeah 
we hear this interaction go back and forth and they give the drunk a pillow and tell him to calm down. You know, the inmates are asking what's going on. They kind of want to find out. And Mark keeps walking and won't say anything. They continue to sit in that cell until late. And then, and then they said there was nothing. It was complete silence. It was quiet. I guess that the, the drunk guy had fallen asleep. Now we're, we know for sure that it's later in the day. We never heard explosions or earthquakes. And this is my analysis. I'm yes. sorry. I should have explained. Go for it. Thank you. So there's no explosions or earthquakes. And I wanted to assume that the jail is too far away from ground zero, but I don't think that's the case. I think maybe just the jail is too well built for them to experience all that. Well, I guess we find out more here in a little bit, but we know that the, the outbreak happened that morning. We find out later on in the, in this episode that the drunks were, you know, infected people that were being brought in because they didn't know what to do with them. Like, right. So I don't know. It's just, I was I was very curious about the construction of the jail. I mean, is it that solid that they didn't feel the earthquakes or the early explosions from when the gas erupted? I think that's a a good enough assumption or theory because I mean, there was I, I was listening to part one, a chapter one, part one today, and you know the explosion was very loud from the campus that uh, Michael is on, and then there's also another explosion when they're at the armory. It's it's but it's kind of a local deal. So, but yeah, I would, I mean, I'd buy that, that this thing is really well built and the explosions that happen aren't as close. Okay. Yeah. I, that kind of got comfortable with that being a possibility. Right. And I came back to it and I was l- really listening to make sure there wasn't an earthquake, you know, a noticeable earthquake. And there were, from what I could tell, there wasn't. You know, now that I think about it, we heard the drunk pretty, pretty early on in the episode, right? Right. So to be honest, the... By the time the episode started, or where Simon picked up in the story, the earthquake could have already happened. Mm-hmm. And I, I didn't think about that before. So it may have just not been covered at all. Here's a, they may have thought it was a regular occurrence because it is California. In the copy that's for everybody, the free copy with the ads and everything, if you go to about a three minutes and 43 seconds, uh, which was the first scene, there is kind of a rumbling you can. It's very low underneath. You can hear like a rumbling, and if you wait maybe another minute or so, you can hear it again. And I don't know if that was like this ambience to set the the mood of dread, or if it was, you know, Casey throwing you know a far away explosion rumbling, which would be honestly very cool. I have to go back and listen to that. That's cool, and that's all I've got for analysis on that scene. Okay, for uh, and that's. We're about to load it, uh, come into the late night drunk guy scene? Yeah. Okay, cool. By this time, everybody's getting irritated. Everybody's hungry. Everybody's kind of tired. And Jeremy, even Jeremy, who's usually calm and collected, he he's getting loud and angry. And I, I, this was very interesting because Bogart kind of got timid or kind of showed a, like a shine away from it whenever Jeremy was shouting. He's like, can you please not shout? And I thought that was a another interesting insight to Bogart. Danielle and Mark came in with water, and they're getting ready to take the cuffs off of Jeremy because they've been cutting off circulation for quite a while. Danielle and Fredo are talking, and Fredo asks, "Are we going?" And Danielle replied back, "Not yet." And Fredo replied, "I'm hungry." In this scene, we uh, we find out. Well, I guess we find out a little bit later on, but Danielle basically gave up her her lunch that she had brought with her to the inmates, which I thought was pretty incredible. 
and that consisted of apples, granola, a sandwich, and everybody got just a little bit. It sounded like she may have taken one bite of the sandwich before going, ah, I'm going to give it up to them. Yeah, that's what I got. Which is crazy. Mark and Danielle are moving the restraints to their ankles so they can kind of adjust and move into a position where they can sleep. And the plan is to move Jody into an office that the guards uh, cleared out so that she doesn't have to be in their room full of dudes. And at this point, Mark is still thinking, you know, this should be resolved by morning. There should be someone coming in to kind of react to the situation. Yeah, and I mean, he's, he's acting like that in one way, but right before this, before they uh, even get the food, whenever Jeremy's flipping out, Mark says no one's going to find out. Yeah. And so there's a hint, at least in his mind, that things may not be going well outside. Yeah. And we're going to... Yeah, I'm, I'm going to save my wife, my comments about him and his wife, I guess, until next next segment. But this is... Uh, that's kind of a telling line. Yeah. Yeah, I think he's already resolved to that fact, but yeah, we'll, right. we'll save that. He might be in some denial about it. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's a mixture of the two, but okay, sorry, sorry. Okay. They're giving him sheets and, you know, the inmates are starting to realize, hey, they're not clean <laughs> and they're pretty, pretty disgusted by it. Right. And, this, you know, Mark is still not really telling them anything. And so this sends Jeremy into flipping out again. Mm-hmm. He's like, well, tell us why. And I can understand this because, I mean, these guys are used to structure. I mean, jail, as awful as, as it is, there is some structure to it. You're going you're gonna to get a place to sleep. You're probably going to have clean stuff. You're going to have all these other things. You're going to be able to speak to your lawyer. I mean, especially in jail, before you go to prison, you're going to be able to talk to your lawyer. So I can yeah. totally get these guys getting fed up about this. Of course, they don't realize that they're at the beginning of the apocalypse, but... <laughs> no, they don't really understand what's going on at all. They think it's all internal to the jail and maybe some of the activity from inmates that got out. Right. Just as it sounds like Mark is going to start uh, explaining what's going on, the drunk down the hall gets loud again mm-hmm. and he's slamming himself in the door. And I, I put a note in here. I was like, this guy's infected. So something's very wrong. Yeah. And you can hear him. He says, let me out, please. It hurts. It hurts. The bleeding. Yep. I mean, it's, it's uh, muffled, and you probably have to have earphones to hear all these words, but... I made a note in there for the same exact thing. Mm-hmm. And then he collapses. And it, about the time that, you know, the guards are talking about, we got to get in there, we're going to get gloves, and because he's bleeding, and he's collapsed on the floor. They're trying to give assistance to him. And then right about as they got the door open... You hear the growling, and I was like, oh, crap. It right, did not take long <laughs> for him to be able to speak, to die, to reanimate. Oh, really no. Fast. And it, it's almost instantaneous that this guy, you know, the infected, grabs Mark and kind of starts choking him. Mm-hmm. There, It gets real hectic, and Jody gets the keys under Jeremy's direction. He said, get the keys, unlock me so I can help out. And Danielle's willing to let it happen that way. And Jeremy goes, he goes F to the left and runs over and drop kicks the the infected guy in the leg. And you could hear the bone break. Oh, yeah. it's. I turned my head listening to that. (laughs) (laughs) 
Jeremy came rushing in, kicked the back of his leg. Oh. Jeremy, he's trying to figure out what's going on. He he makes the assumption that he's on PCP. Because, mm -hmm. I mean, I don't know if you've ever seen any of the videos with the guys on PCP, but it is insane. Like, getting shot in the chest 12 times, not going down, kind of crazy. That's pretty so, crazy. Yeah. And, and, uh, what, what did Daniel ask? He's like, Daniel tells him to get back, and he's like, if I wanted to do something, I would have just locked the door with you guys in there. Yeah. And she asks, why didn't you? <laughs> and he says, sort of takes the trust out of trustee. I, 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 I cracked up with that line. Yeah, that was a good one. So, yeah, we, we, it, it doesn't take long. He's up again, and he's growling, and we know for sure that he's turned. And Daniel mentions that it sounds like what they heard before over the phone. Mm -hmm. I got into the guard station or central, maybe. Yeah. And Mark still trying to follow procedure. He's sticking to it. But they, uh, Danielle presses on to let the inmates know more. And Mark kind of resolves himself to the fact that they don't know a lot. Mm -mm. Jody is translating for Fredo and Fredo responds with like, I care. But what we find out is that, it's block eight, block three, central, no contact via the radio, no telephones. There's been a small fire. And now I, we, we know that CJ said that there was an electrical fire that destroyed some of the video equipment. And I was thinking, well, maybe it did happen. Maybe this is the fire that did all that. So there's probably no recordings at this point. But I still want to go back and listen for that because I thought they reviewed some of the footage. Mm, yeah. I'm, I'm foggy on it. I haven't. I don't remember that part. Yeah, I may be remembering that wrong. I want to go back and listen to it because uh, it was Muldoon. You know, it was it was the soldiers and Puck that went in, and they took pictures of things. I, I'm not sure that they got the C recordings there. Yeah, that that may be true. I, I figured if we were wrong on that, Casey would have said something. But when he says nothing, I think maybe. I don't know. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm speculating too much. Mm -hmm. they, Mark or Daniel, I can't remember. I didn't make a note here of who said it. They said when they got a hold of Central, they heard that the, the growling over the phone. They mentioned here that the drunks were picked up this morning and there were a ton of them. They didn't have enough room for them. So they put them all over the jail and that's how it spread quickly. Yes. Chuck starts going down the crazy hole and says, uh, Start speculating about the theory of uh, infecting others and wants nothing to do with it. He's like, you guys, you guys can close the door again. We'll we'll be in here waiting happily. I love this, <laughs> this exchange when he's just, and especially uh, the music cue that happens when in the moment he realizes that you know, he puts it together. You know that there's <laughs> they're infecting others and he catches it. And he says, "Oh well, it was nice chatting with you too." <laughs> <laughs> He, he's done. He didn't want anything to do with him anymore. Yep. If you wouldn't mind leaving, shutting the door on your way out, take Jeremy with you too. So, they, you know, Mark kind of tells them to quit being paranoid and they're uh, kind of alluding that they're done for the night and they're giving them the key for the light. They're asking to get out of the, the chains again and get Mark's back to protocol. And I guess when they're all said and done, you know, like... It, it, 
Chuck didn't even want him to unlock the shackles uh, to their wrists until after they went and washed up. Right. Just perfectly fine waiting for that. Jody's like, what, what do I do? Um, you know, do I just stand here or uh, Danielle? <laughs> Danielle's like, uh, she wants to go wash up too because Chuck creeped her out. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I love that line. It was just so funny to hear personality kind of swing from this hat to the other. Mm-hmm. I guess Fredo does care, and he's asking Jody to tell him what's up. He says, so what the, <laughs> what happened? And Jody says, I thought you didn't care. And then she goes into speaking in Spanish to tell him what happened, and what that translated to was, okay, so the guy I brought in here was infected with something, and maybe others too. We're stuck in here for now, and it trails on, and it goes on to the next scene. Yeah. Apparently, this wasn't all too quick spreading, because there was, they picked up like 20 to 30 drunks around town that morning, like you said. But it seems like it takes about two hours tops in part one from the time that you hear an explosion while Michael's at school until they're at the armory. And because, you know, they get locked in there and they're waiting until the alarm goes off. And once they come out of there, and, and it's not even an hour because Angel's like, I think it's, you know, it takes an hour and it's just a few minutes the alarm goes off. And they, yeah. and they wait maybe an hour or so till the things clear out. But when they come out, it's basically, I mean, the world is post-apocalyptic at that point. Right. Now, this guy was actually drunk. Someone else in the, in the drunk tank turned while he was in there and fought with him. Mm-hmm. And that's when they, he started bleeding. That's when he caught it. So that gives you an extra allowance of time before he, he turned yeah, I was trying to play around with the timeline too, just to figure out how this would have played out, how fast the infection spread and all that. Yeah, it's it's still within a quote margin of error. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but it was just it was fun to think about and try to put put it together. And not only that, not everybody turns at the same speed. No, there's evidence as as Ash is figuring out now. Yes. And Chuck is awesome. I I just love how clever he is, and they keep showing us a little bit more and more about how he can figure things out and how he almost has this need to have information, like when he's like, need to know, need to know, instead of somebody (laughs) else is like, I want to know. He's like, no, we need. Like, he has to have information, and then once he has it, he knows what to do with it. Yeah, it's almost OCD. Right, yeah. Which may be why he's wearing the yellow-blue jumpsuit. Mm -hmm. no okay when i first listened through this i wasn't thinking about the exposure and the infection spreading through the through the jail like it was my first thought was the the drunk hadn't been exposed to anybody up until that one point when we figured it out so i thought maybe the gases were in this area turning him but i you know we found out that wasn't the case that was just that was my first assumption during the initial part of this gotcha I don't know if anybody else was there with me, but... No, um, I don't know. I was just kind of thinking he was going to be turned. I didn't have any real evidence, but I was like, oh, this guy's going to be a zombie, I guess. I don't know. (laughs) Yeah, I I didn't know. I thought he was just truly a drunk person or on something. Mm -hmm. But uh, that's all I got really for that scene. Okay, That's all I've got for that scene, too. All right, the next scene is the next morning. It's May 9th. And they say it's around 7 to 8 a.m. Everyone except for Fredo didn't sleep much. 
and you can hear him snoring in the background, <laughs> which I thought was that was hilarious. That was a good comedic beat for sure. <laughs> Simon seems to be ready to turn the lights on and figure out what's going on. He's kind of pushing for it, seeing who's all awake. Mm-hmm. But Fredo ain't having that. He's, he's he's telling him to turn the light back on. <laughs> They're reaching out to Mark to find out more information. He won't give him any news. And before it's all said and done, the <laughs> Fredo is already back asleep before they take to turn the light off and take a nap. We don't. I don't know how later in the day it is, but eventually they're back up. They're. I thought this was interesting. They're trying to play checkers with pebbles mm-hmm. uh, from Fredo's shoes and very, you know wherever they could find them, and using torn pieces of fabric as different plain pieces. That's good. It sounds like prisoner type stories you hear about. Yeah. Uh, Fredo's saying he's hungry, but it sounds so much cooler when he says it. Yes. Uh, <laughs> uh, Simon at this point can understand him. So I don't know. This kind of may make my conspiracy brain go, see, see what, what's going on here. Simon can understand Spanish now. <laughs> here in a little bit, you hear Mark outside the door with Gavin on the radio. We find out Gavin's trapped in Sublock 7. And you hear him saying, like, nothing left to eat here either. And you hear him say, it's something to try. <laughs> and we hear Mark say, what about the drunk? And there's something he says at the very end. I couldn't make out what he's saying before they start saying, start conserving your battery and we'll try again in three hours. Yeah, that's the only part I have is uh, check back in three hours. Okay. So they're given more water with no more information. We go a little while and then we find out that Daniel's talking about the earthquake earthquake kits. She's wanting to communicate with the inmates when Mark isn't. Which Mark's is real resistant. Total blue falcon move on her part. Because Mark was, you know, trying to weigh his options and think about how to do it, and she kind of jumped the gun and mentioned it, which kind of pushed the issue. <laughs> I, I think she had the same concerns that the inmates did, though, and I think that's why she did it. Right. That's that's probably valid. I bet. That's yeah. That's a good point. So uh, yeah, you know, he's because later on she tell she tells the other inmates that he's kind of stubborn, and wants to follow the rules, and he feels responsible, and I yeah, that makes sense. You know, I get it. Oh yeah, but, it's it's, it's going to be on him if this isn't the apocalypse. I think she's already given up that to the point that. This is way worse than just a riot in a jail. But we start getting some insight to the prison or the jail, and we find out, you know, about the electronic locks and different areas being locked down. They they say it's just impossible to get through there. Plus, they they, they know that they would be encountering the other infected. And I, there was something going on, and Fredo said, "Don't say my name." Right. I, I was trying to figure out what what just happened. I, I didn't catch it. I, I don't know what was going on, but he wasn't happy with someone ta- using his name. Jeremy is getting a little heated again, and he's using the rules as an angle back to Mark to justify letting them help. And I, I thought that was a, a smart tactic on his part because I think he's starting to kind of see Mark's behavior patterns, and you, he's using that you know, against them. Yes. <laughs> Danielle, I put down here, Danielle's getting real and telling Mark what for. 
she's pretty frustrated with the whole situation. But we find out the plan is to get through the padded walls in the next room of the, to get to the earthquake supplies. They don't have any tools, so they're going to have to improvise. So they have to do something with the drunk first. That's right. Before we move on, it's now that, I mean, I've been thinking about it as I'm listening, but I'm really starting to question why we're not seeing Dyke showing more concern for his wife. Uh, and I, I'm thinking it must, you know, must be because he thinks this is only local to the jail because I'm surprised that most of his energy isn't, you know, getting out of the jail, <laughs> trying to figure out a way out to get to his, to his wife and maybe family. And the only evidence I have for that is Mark saying no one's going to find out because obviously yeah. they, they've been trying to get out. There's, they can't get an outside line to talk to anybody. Uh, they can't contact anyone other than Gavin who, Gavin doesn't seem like he can talk to anyone else either. And the thing, there's a, a piece in this segment here where um, Dyke says, that's what I'm thinking in response to Bogart saying it might only be in the jail. So that's, I mean, that's a little bit of reprieve on that piece, but I just don't know why yeah. also he would say, no one's going to find out that we're treating you not the best <laughs> in the previous. Uh, yeah. I think he's semi in denial, but he knows at the same time, like it's not going to get better. Right. Uh, it's, it seems like he's in a, he's having quite the dilemma. He's probably trying not to let his emotions show to the inmates is really what it, it boils down to. Yeah. And he, and he knows he probably can't get out and, you know, and if he does, you know, uh, it's going to be bad for him if it's not the apocalypse. Yeah. But I don't, and I don't mind that it. it's not a, it's not a, it's just a little nitpick, but and I kind of appreciate it, especially after listening back to part one, chapter one, which as much as I love it, and I loved it when I listened to it the first time, and I still like it, they go from normal every day, everything is great, to we're in the apocalypse and we're shooting zombies before we've seen them get close to us. We've seen them on a highway, like Michael saw them on the highway, but I mean, they're already in apocalypse mode, and what are we going to do And we have to get out there and... Uh, yeah. all that. So I appreciate this slower burn towards it and not automatically going, this is the end guys. This is the new world. And this is how things are. Yeah. But we hear the drunkie wake up again down the hallway. And Simon actually said zombie. He does. And Chuck makes uh, an analysis on it too. He says, whatever he got must fry your brain permanently. <laughs> but Mark says that, Haze him and cuff him to the water main, even though Chuck wants to go ahead and kill him. Chuck, Chuck's like, I, I'm already settled, and this is what it is, and this is what we need to do. Let's just off him. Right. And I, I thought that was interesting, because it's that, it's that real high intelligence that really seems to come through, which this is something that it's just an analogy, but it seems like whenever Chuck has these really intelligent insights to a problem mm -hmm. you don't hear anything out of simon and i don't know i think that's part of what makes me think there's something more to that yeah and chuck chuck's not a violent offender no, no I mean, he's, he's there for white collar crimes uh allegedly yeah so for him to say yeah we need to kill him carries a little more weight i think Oh yeah, I agree completely. I, I, I was like, wow, that's that's an extreme take to a situation when there's 
you know, at least Mark is like, it may not be permanent. It may not, you know, they could come in here tomorrow. Then we'd have to explain all this. Yes. Got this, got this deck out in here. But uh, they start, Jeremy and Chuck are chosen to help. And I don't think they're too happy with it. But that's the end of that scene. <laughs> the next scene I have is restraining the drunk. Mm-hmm. We have uh, another music transition. And it goes right into Chuck asking if Fredo can help. And, you know, Mark's like, no, we're going to sit here and do this. And the infected guy starts pounding on the door and it is loud. Yes. And Mark is, uh, I love this part. Mark says, okay, check with Fredo. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was thinking, I, I when I was listening to it earlier, I said, uh, I was like, why did Mark... There was no dialogue to make him go, yeah, go ahead and get him. I was like, oh, wait, it was the really loud bang on the door. Yeah. So Jody translates to Fredo. Uh, she asks him, we're getting food, but we need some mental patient. We need to move some mental patient first to get to it. You mind giving a hand? And Fredo answers back, yes, if it's for food. <laughs> yeah, I heard Camido. Yeah, he said, we're, we're getting food finally, I'll, then I'll help. <laughs> That's what it was. <laughs> That's good. Uh, yeah, my best translation was, um, let's see, where is it? Maybe I didn't write it down, but yeah, I got Camido and one of the other words. <laughs> I was like, I kind of understand what he's saying. <laughs> Jody ends up saying something that makes Fredo laugh, and the translation was, stay away from Dyke, he's scared of you. <laughs> yeah mark was just like hey i know that word (laughs) yeah i was like what word i I didn't understand i I think he's bluffing Uh, yeah i I think it was all because of fredo's laugh (laughs) i gotta say though i bet you if you're a correctional officer and la twin towers you probably know passable spanish uh, yeah, I don't know how you'd be a guard for that long and not know Spanish in L.A. Right. Okay, th- this next part is just insane. It's so intense building up to this moment where they're getting ready to open that door. And I, I was just, I don't know, I- I- even listening to it again and again, I-, I just it brought me to the edge of my seat. Yeah, it's a, it's a really good and also well-produced scene for sure. They open that door. Mark tases the infected. He actually falls to the ground. They're cuffing him. And yes, his leg is still broken. <laughs> but it, it, nope. But it doesn't stop the the infected. He gets up and he's and he's starting to break the chains. When Fredo starts to say something, I went and looked at the translation for this one. What was it? He says a demon. Oh, good, nice. I was like, oh, that's cool. Because I thought I, I thought he said Diablo, but I was like, I didn't sound a whole lot like Diablo. Uh, he said something else. I, I forget what he said. Yeah, it wasn't, but I was like, it sounded kind of like Diablo. But that would be devil, I guess. Well, Mark is yelling at him to grab the infected's legs. And Chuck says, F that. And Jeremy's the only one that is over there trying to restrain this the, the infected guy mm-hmm. and ask for help. And Fredo says, Nuh-uh. and i love that fredo's reduced to fear while jeremy's just like it's got to be done 
Uh, so it, I don't know. It's just that that big old stature of Fredo, and he's he's scared like a little this kid. This was this was interesting. Okay, um, to refresh us back to part one, chapter one, since I just now listened to it. Michael's first confrontation with the zombie, he does the same thing. He mentions how he froze up at first, and like it was weird. Like not that he was scared, but he just kind of froze and was taking stock of it. And then when I heard that, I thought, oh, that's what Fredo does. Because they mentioned it here that he just kind of doesn't do anything. He's just taking it in. Yeah. So I, I thought that was pretty neat. Well, I mean, this is such a foreign thing to see happening right in front of you. Right. So, yeah, yeah, understandable. Chuck starts to chip in and help. They're dragging the infected guy by the pants. <laughs> when the infected, like, spins and kicks them both away. The, the you know the zombie starts charging for Fredo and Fredo kind of dodged out of the way, grabbed the guy by the back of the head and then drove his head into the wall, killing him. Oh gosh! I was like, this is so cool. Mm-hmm. Like, right, we're starting to get into the action, and <laughs> Chuck, good old Chuck, he shouts out, "That worked!" <laughs> <laughs> and there's a yeah, the sound that it makes, and again in the um the free feed it's about 37 second 37 minutes 43 ish to 45 ish seconds is when you get that this awful noise oh it's and smashing his head he dove towards fredo again but this time he was prepared he turned brushing him off grabbed the back of the drunk's head and drove it deep into the concrete wall that worked but so when the taser works the first time but then it doesn't work the second time. You know what that reminds me of? The chloroform? The chloroform, yeah. How that worked the first time just fine, but you do it a second time, didn't bother him. It's like there's some kind of self-preservation that shuts off the pathways of the brain that would be affected by it or something. Right. I, I, or breaks it, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but that was an and awesome the, scene. We're reminded how strong they are. I mean, they say snaps chains. They were talking about the chain in between handcuffs, right? Yeah. I mean, that is crazy strong. You know, I, I was kind of listening to that. I was going, man, how does it not just tear through the skin? Exactly. It's what these guys are. Ooh. These guys are going to be strong. So then we got some more interesting translations. You know, Jeremy's talking. To, you know, Mark's kind of freaking out about Fredo killing the guy, and. Jeremy's like, well, what do you expect? Your taser didn't do anything. He right. said it and different. It rhymes, it rhymes with, it's a funny uh, swear that I've never heard quite <laughs> pronounced like this, but it, it rhymes with knuckle. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Which Fredo goes, what? Right, exactly. <laughs> and then Jody's over there telling, talking to Fredo. He says, you weren't supposed to kill the man. Fredo responds with, that is no man, not anymore. Mm-hmm. Which was kind of creepy too. That was, and Jeremy says to just look at his eyes, which in the original story of survival they mentioned that they're clouded over when they turn. Yeah, and then Jeremy kind of takes the lead because Mark's not saying anything for a second, and says let's let's wrap him up with a sheet and bring him to the office where nobody's at, and then there's this. Interaction. I, I don't. I think Fredo's talking to Jeremy. 
Jeremy kind of took control of the situation, said to wrap him up with the sheet and bring him into the body, into the office. When Fredo stopped and thanked Jeremy, and I, I thought that was an interesting interaction. It, it, I don't. I think we're supposed to be seeing them kind of bonding as a group. Yes, I, I feel the same way. Um, when you mentioned something earlier about you know when Jeremy was uh, not afraid to confront Fredo, I started thinking about this interaction later. I said, yeah, they're starting to build some respect for Jeremy. Jeremy might be a, I wonder if Jeremy's like a CIA plant or something to infiltrate the Mexicazi. Because <laughs> <laughs> he's pretty he, bad take charge dude, but doesn't seem to be a bad guy. Yeah, I kind of I wonder where they're going with this character. Mm-hmm. He's interesting. But, you know, and I, I heard it a couple times, but Mark's been coughing a little bit here and there, and I, I kind of forgot about him being choked out by the infected, but uh, I, I, I couldn't help but go to, oh, is it the gases? No, I've done that a couple times. I'm just kind of waiting for the worst case scenario. <laughs> That's pretty funny. Yeah, he was coughing, and he was, you could even hear in his voice, that was good acting. I bet Casey had him in a chokehold. Like, all right, say your lines. <laughs> you've been choked you're gonna sound like this oh my god yeah i want i want stephen weber i want footage of stephen weber getting choked out by casey <laughs> <laughs> uh, but they start talking about okay you know to minimize the risk of infection we're gonna wash out the padded cell and it's about this time that we find out that drunky took a crap in in there number two so he did not get escorted to the to the bathroom like Jody did. No, he did not. So <laughs> Jody is wanting to try to find a way to help by using the computers in the office. But Mark, back to protocol, is like, no, uh, I've seen your record. I know you're in jail for computer crimes, and you won't be touching another computer for at least five years. <laughs> That's such a funny rule. Uh, I just can't see people them enforcing. You know, like she gets out in a year and can't <laughs> get behind a keyboard for four years on parole. Like, okay, uh, my utility bills can only be paid online. Crap. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty funny. So, you know, as this is kind of closing, the scene's closing. Uh, Mark leaves her the del the do- blah blah blah. Mark leaves the, the the cell door open instead of closing it this time, and he's starting to kind of loosen up. He get he ends up giving the inmates uh, a deck of playing cards that got confiscated a while back. There's they're starting to go in groups and work on getting through the walls or building tools and yes, start pounding away. Yeah, when they get those cards, uh, Bogart has a rap that yes. ends with a reference to Arkham Asylum and the Joker, which. <laughs> Absolutely loved. That was good. Mm-hmm. I may know that too. Uh, you got any other analysis for this scene? Uh, okay, so with we talked about the refreshers about the taser working once but not again, and uh, but the eyes looking clouded over. Mm-hmm. I'm going to have a prediction about Jody, but I'm going to use that at the maybe after the next scene or in the final notes. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Cool. Just throwing out predictions left and right. That's that's the fun of this. <laughs> the ne- okay, the next scene is breaking through the walls. 
they've gone through, they've removed all the padding from the walls that they needed to get out of the way in order to break through. They're making, they, they, they're makeshift tools from broom handles, chair legs, a stapler. <laughs> they said Jody's using the handcuffs, aluminum foil, paperclip, piece of gum. <laughs> yeah. MacGyver in the crap out of this. <laughs> Jody's using the handcuffs, uh, handcuffs, the handcuffs to scrape uh, the grout out of the, I guess the tile or something. I don't know. I couldn't. I guess in between the bricks. Yeah, everybody's trying to stay busy, and they're all being very optimistic. They're rotating in, in shifts. Uh, there's not a whole lot of noise going on anywhere at this point besides the work being done. They're drawing names out of a hat to choose who works next. <laughs> so that sounds like a crap system, especially when later on Jody and uh, Fredo's name got drawn together, and Mark says no on that one. He vetoes. Right. Well, I guess they just draw them and put them all back in the hat once everybody's had their turn. Yeah, uh, yeah, it seemed kind of weird, but whatever works. Mark wants Fredo to go in there alone uh, to do the work, and Fredo says, just me? Screw that, I'm tired. <laughs> uh, some time elapses. Fredo's in there walking like a, like a beast. We find out it's about 7 p.m. on the 9th. Danielle joins uh, the card game. <laughs> Jeremy said that Chuck cheats. <laughs> Daniel says Mark tends to bring out the best in people sarcastically. <laughs> to which Jeremy responds, one hand in and you're already one of us. Mm -hmm. Which was one of my favorite lines in this. Yeah, that but was a good one. Fredo's over there pounding away and he's about he's making about as much noise as the uh, infected guy was. And Chuck says, geez, can someone put Fredo's name in the hat a few more times? You know, for science. <laughs> for science. <laughs> yeah, and yeah, I liked the exchange earlier between Fredo and Mark when he said that thing, you know, like, I'm not going to do that. And Mark was like, okay, no worky, no food. No no worky, no foodie. Yeah. So Fredo <laughs> was, you know, finally he's like, okay. I'm hungry. Fredo, eat. Fredo, <laughs> eat food. Dude, it's soon... Uh, that was another thing. As soon as that happened, I got on, I got on the forums. I think I got on Twitter. I was like, Fredo smash. <laughs> I saw that tweet and I was like, uh Oh, something's going to happen. <laughs> I didn't know what, I didn't know if it was going to turn already. I was like, no. Yeah. But Danielle, you know, she's still so green, but yeah, she's just in there shooting the, the breeze with the inmates. And she's saying, Mark is afraid wanting to stay there because he's responsible for everyone there and he's responsible for everything. And what she says, sad thing is he still thinks he's doing his job. Right. So Danielle's already given up on kind of the status of the world at that moment, even in a limited knowledge of what's actually going on. Right. Chuck says, I kind of wish it was the end of everything out there and then we'd all be free. Mm-hmm. It's kind of a fight club uh, feeling, you know, hoping <laughs> break down the man and all that and yeah. don't have any problems or any debt or they don't have debt to society and just complete reset. Right. And while they're playing these games, they're saying Chuck's cheating. I bet Chuck racks up in this in this game just showing his intelligence and how clever he is. And even if he's cheating, I mean, 
Chuck's mind, maybe if you're not cheating, you're not trying. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, that's a probably a good assumption. <laughs> <laughs> or like um, my dad, when we play games, he, he thinks that's part of the fun is trying not to get caught cheating. That's hilarious. <laughs> it is hilarious, and he's done some pretty funny things, like when you're supposed to put like one card back on the stack with whatever game it was. Uh, I didn't notice until later, until he like laid a stack of like 15 cards down at once, trying to hide them as one. <laughs> and Mrs. Nick told me after that, she's like, yeah, I've been watching him lay down two and three at a time for, you know, 10 times in a row now. <laughs> that That is priceless. Yeah. We need to get together and I'll do that. That'd be fun. That would be fun. <laughs> Jody's trying to reason with Danielle saying that once the power is off, the computers won't be any help. And, uh, you know, she hints at that she might be able to get the door locks released, which at this point I'm going, that sounds like a bad idea. Right. It's not like a bad idea. Maybe just one lock, maybe to the outside. I, I don't know. It, it, everything sounds terrifying knowing what we already know now that Everything on the outside of that door is no better off than inside. You can get out and get to that transportation vehicle with all the lunches in it. You might have a chance. <laughs> we find out from Danielle, and because she found out from Mark, that the generators will last up to a month. I know. <laughs> that's in my notes in bold. Like, what? Yeah, that's what I put a down, month? too. I was like... Oh, it's a nuclear reactor. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, yeah. I I, I don't know. I, I kind of looked at that going, hmm, a month. <laughs> a month for the largest yeah. jail in the world. Uh, <laughs> I was like, well, how many diesel generators would that take where one comes on, another comes on and cycles that one off, and then another one comes on and cycles that one off, and then goes back through that in order to make this work for a month? And how many gallons of gasoline? Oh, it's just insane amounts of well, probably diesel, but yeah, I, it was like that, that. That doesn't sound right, but I don't know. Maybe that is the case for the largest jail in the world. Hey, you know, I could be completely ignorant about it, but it just sounds hilarious. Maybe, but, maybe that, maybe that's minimal lights and stuff too. I don't know. Absolutely, it could. It's probably minimal lights, and <laughs> I'm just having fun with it. Really, Casey, <laughs> come on, give me a break. But I'm willing to let it go because we might need a month for certain things to happen in the story that are probably going to be gruesome. <laughs> <laughs> now, I could see some of the other fun stuff happening and that particular person seeing that the generators continue to run for a month, but not on their own. Yeah, and I was kind of having fun with it calling, it, calling it a nuclear reactor. I was thinking in my head whenever... uh Dr. Evil asked for $100 billion back in the <laughs> 50s or 60s, and they just laughed. Like, there's not even that much money in the world. <laughs> yeah, and Chuck is, he's kind of playing with Danielle to let him out of their cuffs and just kind of be free. They said they're not going to go anywhere. They're going to do anything. But what what was it? I can't, I think I left something out of here, but he, he makes some crack about, I'll just read what I got. He says he can't blame them because the real bad guys would end up running the place. And uh, I assume he's talking about the Maulers and the family. 
Mm. It was, I can't remember what he was talking about in this, but he goes, in case of a disaster, do not let out your convicts. Oh, yeah. He was saying something about, yeah, it once, if people were able to get out of the jail, then in, in a, post-apocalyptic, a post-apocalyptic situation, the bad guys would be running, like in a Katrina-like situation, I think, whenever, you know, this, this oh, yeah. disaster, the bad, if the jails were open, the bad guys would run things. Which is a very interesting point of view for Chuck. But he nails it. I mean, that's what ends up happening in series one. It is. That was kind of interesting. But we we start hearing some loud knocking coming from down the hall. And Simon says, that didn't come from Fredo. No. And it starts to ramp up. You hear more noise. You hear the infected. And then Mark is yelling, get everyone. I don't know. I don't know what he's seeing exactly, but it must be really bad. Because Protocol Man is dropping all that. He is. And we've heard about how strong that one zombie was. I'm I'm guessing it sounds like the doors are looks like they're gonna be compromised, you know? Uh, it sounds like they're about to be beaten off their hinges. Yes, so that's what we have to look forward to in part three. <laughs> Yeah, I, I'm just wondering, like, they, they've only made a couple of, inch, you know, tools to break down the concrete wall, so mm-hmm. is there enough weapons to go around? I mean, they at least got two, and they got Fredo. He's a weapon of his own. He is. I, I, I'm kind of, I'm waiting for him just to go around, just Hulk raging out, slamming heads into walls and stuff. Mm-hmm. Knowing that I already have episode three. It's been so hard not to turn it on because I'm like, I'm so excited. It's been really hard. And I'm hoping we can <laughs> listen, make notes, and record before 4 comes out. <laughs> yeah. I'm not sure if we'll be able to, but we're we're slowly but surely catching up a couple days at a time each week. I'm going to power through as fast as possible. Mm-hmm. Well, that's my wrap-up for the last scene. Do you have any other analysis for it? Oh, not for that scene. I've got some final notes and uh, a couple more things to go through before we get to the... Uh, okay. Favorite lines. Cool. Okay, so prediction. Jody eventually gets to do stuff on the computers, which I'm pretty sure everybody's assuming is going to happen. But what she does instead of helping them, which and this isn't, I mean, we know what's going to happen there. But instead of her helping them, whatever she does is going to lead to them, lead to their demise. Like she's going to open it up and let ink in, basically. Which doesn't, I mean, it doesn't matter as much anyways, because without that happening, they would have starved and dehydrated in the long run. So, yeah. Yeah, I think whatever she does, it might help them, like, very short term, but long term, it's going to let ink in to get them. It's just a, a fun prediction I'm having. I don't have anything to base that on. And then our running theories, uh, Simon is Chuck somehow, or Simon is taking some of Chuck's story, or giving Chuck some of his story, maybe. That's a fun one. And then uh, the one I was going with, Simon is special infected of some kind or was at least experimented on or has something else going on and kind of goes back towards him just being creepy, weird to begin with. (laughs) And his story being kind of strange and his jumpsuit's not the same as anybody else's. The foreshadowing line you brought up last episode about him not being... About them saying, well, you couldn't possibly break free from the table. Oh, yeah. That, 
<sighs> I'm just waiting for something bad to happen there. Mm -hmm. it, it just seems like a Casey style of writing to say something like that and eventually come back to bite him. Right. And uh, some notes from the last chapter. Will we get to see Cohen? We haven't seen him yet. We may still get to. And uh, things are going to get bad. How will they get free was one of them. And it looks like how they'll get free is the doors are coming down and they passing around. <laughs> they're passing around keys to get everybody unlocked to help out. I'm wondering who all gets snatched up in order for the rest of them to get away. Well, mm -hmm. yeah, that leads me down all sorts of thoughts. Right. The creepiest of them being that we got that as feedback, right? Uh, about Danielle and Jody being oh, the mother. Oh, yeah, we did. We did get okay. that. That'll be down the line a little bit here. Okay. But if you don't have any more final <laughs> notes, I'm ready to go to favorite lines of the show. Oh, yeah. All right. Uh, mine was there's a couple a couple of really good ones, but I went ahead and went with uh, Jody who wouldn't do it in front of him, Fredo watching. So he just spit. I'll go ahead and spare everyone. It ain't number one. <laughs> uh, one of mine were, was the uh, Jeremy saying, one hand in and you're already one of us. Yes, that was a good one. So <laughs> Thank you, Jody, for keeping the family friendly for us. You know, <laughs> the number one. <laughs> That's hilarious. And the ratings. Part two of six. 5.0. I'm going to go with 4.5 again. I'm st we're still steady. What? Show's, show's good. It's uh, about to amp up. and I figure Fredo's smash would at least get a 4.8. It's <laughs> a great episode. It was a great episode. <laughs> oh, yeah, it was. It, it, it's got me just pining to get that. Yep. Episode three out. I'm, you know, I'm attached to the characters already. Uh, as soon as we lose one, it's going to be, it's going to stink. Hopefully we'll get yep. Gavin in here some more, get some, uh, some new guys to learn about. Looking forward to all that. And okay. Another good line. All good. Just as neck when they're moving the dead <laughs> drunk <laughs> slash zombie. Yeah. That was some good dark humor. That was pretty funny. Okay. And my news section, I'm blank this week. Do you have anything? Uh, it's been seven years for We're Alive since episode one came out. That's right. You posted that today. What is this? Today's May 5th. So we are four days away from zombie apocalypse happening seven years ago. <laughs> <laughs> and let's see. Our last week's question of the week was, what is your favorite podcast that isn't We're Alive? Isn't related to We're Alive? And Cy Rainfire on Twitter, good friend from, uh, when we covered season four, she says, so to answer your question in episode one review, my favorite other podcast is, and she put at D ghost stories, which is destiny ghost stories. And they dig into the lore of the destiny game, which hmm. I'll, I'll admit the destiny lore is outstanding. It's really well written and they put it together in a way to preserve a whole lot of mystery to it. Only problem is, they didn't put they didn't put that in the game. You're meant to read these little like cards you unlock to um, learn more about the story, and then once you know all that, you can go back and look at the game and see where it's all in there. But they don't tell it to you in the game, which was one of the most frustrating things. 
And I know it's uh, hmm. one of the Casey did a scathing review of, <laughs> of it, uh, and most of everybody did. It was a uh, kind of strange to have a to have no real story until you read about it later, which was kind of stunk. Makes you wonder if they had different plans originally. That's what they say. Yeah, they say there was an Activision did something. I don't know. Hmm. But uh, that's the only answer I have for that for this week. On to the listener mail, tweets, and Facebook posts. I'll go ahead and start with Casey's. I've got a couple pieces before I get to the things that I sent you. Okay. I didn't realize this tweet was up here. But Casey Wayland tweeted, listening to the fan cast right now covering part one. Got a good chuckle at the intro. It's so true, and I knew it writing it. For that the, was so good. <laughs> for those of you that didn't get it, uh, when they get what's episode 65 at the very beginning intro, and they yell out, Lockdown! We know it's the title of it. Family Guy had this thing where Peter Griffin loved to hear the title of the movie in the movie. And so they <laughs> cut. They did a cutaway where he was like, ah, like there it is. So that was, that was the joke there, if you didn't know that. <laughs> that was oh that cracked me up glad you liked it sir and, and I hope you guys like what Mick did last time interweaving samples of the episode into the the, the coverage because I, I enjoyed it thoroughly thank you yeah that was that was a lot of fun we did it for a few episodes last time it's just I would love to do it every time. Only thing is we try to get these episodes out as fast as possible and it takes a little bit more time mm -hmm. getting that and finding, you know, exactly where it was. <laughs> <laughs> but, okay, so Raj wrote us, he said, hey guys, long time listener, first time commenter, you said things are going to get dark so many times that it made my mind start thinking what types of things could happen. And I want to pause right there and say you cannot blame me for the dark places you're about to go, Raj. <laughs> yeah it's not this is not my fault this is on you don't put this on me but he says uh people are going to be experimented on for sure locked up by smart zombies and pulled out of the cage when it is your turn to be experimented on shutters just imagine hearing the screams of terror as your fellow humans are being tortured by an unbeatable force you have no way out that would definitely be some dark times one up oh yeah <laughs> One up for you, who besides me thinks that Danny and Jody might be experimented on? And, t and uh, spoiler warning, let me go ahead and say something. This is kind of a major spoiler. It happens in season four. They want to skip ahead 30 seconds. It says, one up for you, who besides me thinks that Danny and Jody might be taken and experimented on and taken away as the mothers for the little ones? If you don't remember at the stadium, the, our heroes from last time around found where the little ones were made and they used women that had, that had been pregnant. Yeah. Anyways, I'm ex he continues, I'm excited to have another chapter in the We Are Live series and looking forward to seeing that what KCW has in store for us. Great work on the fan cast. Time to listen to episode number two. P.S. Spoil everything. <laughs> Roz, we're I'm trying to do that. <laughs> I'm glad that that's kind of the... We haven't had anything to the contrary, so we haven't yet. And uh, uh, skip ahead another thirty seconds or another minute. I'm going to talk about this uh, thing he just talked about. Okay, so I don't think that the timeline works out for the little ones. I think they already had to be pregnant. 
it only being a year into it, you know, at the beginning. For the initial little ones. For the initial little ones, yes. But for the special ones, not so much. Because uh, it was alluded that he would be able to speed up the process. Right, but I thought that was the initial little ones. They grew fast. I mean, it was within a year. They went from being that little bitty things that they saw on the roof to the big right. things. I think it was all the original 12 or whatever. Yeah, I, I still... Mm, I'm waiting for the darkest of the dark to come out of this one. <laughs> You're holding out hope for... Uh, I want to just be freaked out. <laughs> I think we're going to be. Yeah, I don't know. That's still at least six months after the outbreak. And that may sound fairly early, but knowing what ink is capable of yes go back and everybody go back and listen to i think it's chasing ghosts which is chapter 42 part three whenever and if i'm wrong on that just find the one where it's puck retelling the story of them escaping of him escaping from the jail and uh you get a, a good tour of what we're all what we're gonna see happen here i believe well there's that and then uh i'd have to go back and look but it's the so when they go to the arena and they find the mothers and the, uh, the newborn. Right, right. But I'm saying as far as the lockdown part of it. Oh, yeah, yeah, It's whenever yeah. The, you get the tour of Twin Towers. True, true, true. Now, okay, so you want to read the blue ones or you want me to read the blue ones? Uh, I'll read the blue ones. Okay. Uh, Witch Doctor, DeHavington, says, uh, great to have you guys back. Thank you. Great to have you listening to Haventon. And Annabelle on Twitter, she says, I'm excited for what's to come in the series. And we are too. And she also uh, said, I'll be sprawled out on the ground, freaking out when ink returns. That's guaranteed. <laughs> <laughs> Just be careful. Don't let anybody drag you around when you get down there like that crazy drunk zombie. <laughs> Take him by the pants. Oh, no. <laughs> adventures with bg on twitter and we've interacted a lot with him he's been kind of following our uh dare to survive stuff too he says between wa fancast and we're at we're alive you guys have taken up a decent amount of my binge listening recently and i'm grateful for it uh, it's it's awesome to have you come along with us on this and i know you he mentioned too that he's been uh powering through for you know quite a bit through the because he's only two years into it so there for a little while he probably binge listen like crazy oh yeah and it's uh i'll tell you you guys reaching out and tweeting to us uh hitting us up on facebook and all that it really it's it's what motivates us and helps us to be excited to <laughs> put all this together so yeah thank you for interacting with us so much and milton gardner uh interacted with him the first time that i can remember this week he says, uh, gave you guys a quick shout out on Apartment 2C a couple weeks ago. And we appreciate that. Thank you for helping to share it out there because not everybody knows about our show covering We're Alive. So. And I, I'll admit, I need to go and, and watch the Apartment 2Cs, at least parts of them. Mm -hmm. uh, I've just been so caught up with, well, life. 
<laughs> so it, it's it's hard to get on there, but I'll try to make an attempt to be better about it. Oh yeah, I've caught pieces of them. They've been a lot of fun. Uh, see, at Craigie the Woods or Craig Woodland says, uh, loved it. Strong characters and great start to the ink backstory. Sound sound quality is off the scale. Keep it up. Really is off Could, the scale. Couldn't agree more. I could not. Uh, we got some stuff coming from the forums. Oh, we got one more here. Uh, it's added toward, here towards the end. Frank at Left Bullocks on Twitter says, I just want to know where Fredo is from. I'm betting on Mexico City by the slang he uses, which is a little insight that I never could have given you. Huh, no. Uh, the actor is Rogelio Ramos. Uh, he is from Laredo, Texas. So I don't know if that's intentional or not. I, I, I couldn't begin. I'm, I'm as far from an expert as possible. Right, yeah. It'd be good to see where the character, maybe he's from there. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, maybe. So, uh, might, which talk- might just be Casey Slang, though. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I think Casey said he gives them a little bit of artistic freedom. So they, they're given this script, but they're allowed to kind of put it in uh, somewhat along the lines of what they would say or what they feel like their char- character would say. Paul Abdul, you know, take it, make it your own. Yes. <laughs> and also dress like a cat. Yes. Or dance with cats, cartoon cats. It's a must. Uh, which doctor posted on the forums in a, a thread I put up about, you know, feedback for the, for the fan cast. And he says, so far, a few people have commented on Mark's fondness for operating strictly by the book. But has anyone noticed that Jeremy is equally adept at quoting regulations? It doesn't matter, though, because he doesn't control the keys or the taser, so Mark always wins. <laughs> That's hilarious. He just posted this up, like, as we were podcasting. Oh, sweet. But yeah, uh, we kind of talked a little bit about that tonight. So uh, I completely agree. I, I think it's funny that uh jeremy just quotes regulations right back at him to kind of get a upper edge <laughs> right i was going through some of the lockdown part two chatter and there's one that got a lot of attention and it's from cupcake zombie it says hey a few thoughts on the drunk in the padded cell i'm thinking that he was a slow turner and potentially there are a few people in the prison who were slow turners it's kind of going back to what we were talking about. Datu was a slow turner. Datu was a really slow Datu turner. Datu was an so, extremely slow turner. He was uh he was also a very strong, strong man. So I think that had a lot to do with it. Because you remember when everybody was pushing the gate, Datu comes over. He's like, yeah, no problem. Yeah, you guys <laughs> get out of the way. You're... <laughs> uh, it's a, he says, we do know that there was a fight in the drunk tank and people were injured and that the drunk tank was overflowing. It seems highly unlikely that they would mistake zombies for merely drunk and move them to other areas. And we know that he was somewhat responsive earlier in the episode. Now, I think Casey said that early on, like the the infected or the infection spread of infection and like the turning process kind of adapted over the time that of uh, since the uh, the initial outbreak, so that might play a role too. I'd have to go back and look at my notes. Okay, but uh, he said this gives us few things to think about. 
this is early in the story, so could the earliest turners be slow turners? Interesting that our guys were in the padded cell. Seems like the place you would throw uh, the one who started the fight. I wonder where the person in uh, who entered the prison got exposed. That sounded like there were a crowd of them. Did sound like multiple ones affected by the gas. He said, long grass theories from this. Alcohol slows turning, which is why they were so s- spread out around the place. So alcohol slowing the cat, like I don't know, acting like a, a kind of a anti-catalyst. A reverse, yeah. <laughs> As this is very early, could we be looking at some of the first turners from ground zero, i.e. exposure to the fog turners are slow and appear drunk as it turns them? Uh, that That's very likely. We know that from uh, We're Alive that simple exposure to fog doesn't turn you straight away. So maybe some critical level needs to be reached. And even then it takes time. Now, there was a ton of blood gas level, you know, experiments being done by Tanya uh, near the end of series one. So, yeah, I guarantee you that plays a huge role in it. Mm -hmm. But and that's all I've got from the forums. All right. And thank you, forum people. And. For, for people for uh, adding stuff to the thread you put up that you put up there, right? Uh, that last one was from the general thread, and the rest of them were from uh, the one I posted. Right. They're awesome. I mean, if you guys want to get really dig deep into some of these theories and see what other people are doing out there, go to we'realive.com, hit the forums up. There's a something out there, and if you don't see what your theory is, throw it out there, and people will. You know, try to help you build it, or they'll say, oh, you know, this this part might make that theory wrong, which is always a good thing. Well, and I don't know if everybody else knows, but the forum is a wealth of resources. So if you ever have a crazy, you know, theory or something that you want to go down the rabbit hole of, the forum is a good place to do that. And if nothing else, going into the wiki and kind of learning some little information or where to begin to look for you know more information for that theory it's well worth at least looking at yeah absolutely and okay so for the question of the week this week since we uh didn't mention one of those earlier we're going to go with out of all the people that we have here do you believe anybody will make it out alive besides simon and if you do Uh, maybe send a story along or uh, just or just say who you think could possibly make it out alive because we know Simon does. The rest of them, I I assumed when I first heard about lockdown, I'm like, oh, this is going to be a story about how everybody dies. But it'd be neat to hear about you know Chuck surviving and becoming part of the group and trying to match wits with CJ or something. Chuck showing up at the very end. That would be great. Riding out Simon. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> You know, there's one more little tidbit that I forgot to announce in the news section. What's that? So Casey was on the forums and people were kind of wondering what comes next because this is such a short run. And Casey was talking about Gold Rush. And he said Gold Rush and the working title Angels and Demons. But that's much further down the line. Gold Rush starts pre-production after I finish lockdown and the AD book. What is the AD book? Angels and Demons. Okay. 
I'm guessing. I don't know. I'm looking forward to whatever this brings. It sounds awesome. But yeah, so it sounds like a We're Alive related story called Gold Rush. California Gold Rush. Yeah, I I don't I I don't know. I assume it's still in the We're Alive universe, so what could it mean? Double Rainbow. Double Rainbow. No, I don't what know. Is, yeah, I don't know. I, I, I'm baffled on that one. Angels and Demons sounds interesting. If but it's, as if you it's guys, in the real live world, and are either are either of those things hashtag TMM Tango Mike Mike that you keep uh, teasing us with? Right, teasing I, Mick and something. That that's our goal for between now and the next episode is we're going to make up a bunch of fake titles for TMM. Yes. <laughs> and is it We're Alive related? Because I, I don't... Is it? I Maybe he told me before and it wasn't. I can't remember. I think it's going to be the magical musical. <laughs> yes, the magical musical. <laughs> Got it. Uh, anyways, if you guys have any ideas on any of that stuff or any feedback you want to share with us or even feedback on episode three that we're going to be covering, you guys can write us your feedback to wafancast at gmail.com. You can find us on Facebook at forward slash wafancast or at wafancast on Twitter. Plus, you can leave your feedback in the sub threads for each episode on the forums. That's right. Well, that's all I've got, Mr. Redbeard. That's all, I, that's all I got. I'll miss you guys until next week. That's right. Talk to you next week. This is Mick. This is Redbeard. Ah! <laughs> <laughs> Let's see if this SpaceX launch is going. Oh man, Rick! These white backgrounds are making me pretty uncomfortable! Get used to it, more. Artistic talent doesn't exist. Yay! I gotta turn you down a little bit more. You're good, but it's just loud in my ear, Morrow. Whispering sweet nothings in your ear. Hey, can you hear this? Not at all. Aww. I was rubbing my beard on the pop filter. <laughs> Next time on Space Tanks <laughs> Episode 66 Of Space Tanks Execute Order 66 Take out Johnny Laser Pew 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 Oh you thought I fired green lasers You are mistaken About the great many things I know your secret, Johnny Laser.